You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Today, we are starting a new series called Much Fruit. And this series is all about the fruit of the Spirit, and we'll be walking through that over the next few weeks. And really what today is is an introduction. Today kind of lays the groundwork for the rest of the series. So uh, Paul talks in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. He lays out what the fruit of the Spirit is. And then... um, and then, so basically for us, what we're going to do is today lay the groundwork, and then over the next few weeks, we'll be walking through the individual fruits of the Spirit. And I will tell you this too, uh, Memorial Day weekend, just make plans to be here that weekend. If you're gonna, not going to be out of town, be here, uh, be in Blairsville, because we've got our five for five for Memorial Day weekend, where we're going to have five of our communicators, five of our pastors preaching for five minutes each. Uh, and it is a lot of fun. Uh, five minutes is a, it's a fast sermon. And so we will have a countdown, a timer, and we will have a buzzer. They will get buzzed if they preach more than five minutes in both Indiana and Blairsville. So it's going to be fun. And we'll have uh, three live communicators in Blairsville as well. And so, um, so yeah, it's going to be really good. Uh, but we will be in this series for that as well. So let me jump right in. Galatians 5. Starting in verse 22, Paul says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So what Paul is saying is that these are things that should be evident in the lives of people who are connected to Jesus Christ. That if you are a follower of Jesus and you're authentically walking with him, these nine attributes, these nine things should be evident in your life. So uh, the gifts of the Spirit are a little different because the gifts of the Spirit, we might have a gift that we are drawn to or that we have um, that dominate the other gifts. That I, I've, God has gifted me in this area, but not in these, which is fine. But that is not the case with the fruit of the Spirit. So you cannot be somebody who's like, well, you know what, I've got the fruit of joy, but um, I do not have the the fruit of self-control. And it's like, nope, that's not how that works. You don't get to pick and choose. Like, hey, I've got a lot of peace, but I'm not kind at all. I'm just a jerk to everybody. It's like, nope, 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 you can't do that. Like that's, <laughs> you don't get to choose, okay? And some of you are gonna remind your spouse about this one later, aren't you? You're gonna be like, Pastor Mel said you can't choose, you can't do that. Um, don't weaponize my sermons, okay? But this is what we have to understand. All of these things should be evident in our life to some degree or another. And we might have weaknesses that God is developing and working on us, uh, but all of these things should be things that we are growing in in our normal everyday life. How many of you like lists? Do you guys like lists, making lists, keeping lists, anything? A few of you? Okay. I've got great news for you. I've got three lists for you today in the course of my message. It does not mean I've got a longer message than normal. It just means we happen to have a bunch of lists. So I'm going to start with my first list today. This is three things to know about fruit. Three things to know about fruit. The first one is this. Um, Fruit is not uh, consumed by the producer. It's not consumed by the producer. So... A fruit tree that produces fruit does not consume its own fruit. Does anybody, you remember the old Wizard of Oz movie, the old one, Dorothy, and it was black and white, and then she went to Oz and it was all color? There was so many things to be disturbed about from this movie. So many things. 
One of the most disturbing things to me, it wasn't the Wicked Witch of the West. She was, she was a little freaky. Uh, not even the flying monkeys, which is the stuff of nightmares. It was the trees. The trees always kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I, the scene where uh, Dorothy and the Scarecrow are uh, in like the orchard, whatever it is, and they, the trees like start chucking apples at Dorothy and Scarecrow, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Like that, for some reason, that seemed more plausible that the trees would attack me than the flying monkey because I could disassociate that and be like, there aren't flying monkeys, but there are trees everywhere. And those trees, if they get mad at us, we're all in trouble. Um, but one of the things you don't see those tr trees do, they never consume their own fruit. They didn't, they were like, man, <laughs> this looks delicious. That didn't happen. And we think the fruit of the spirit is for our benefit. Now, there are some residual benefits for us, but the fruit of the Spirit that's produced in our lives is not for us. The fruit that God produces in your life is not for you. It benefits all of the people around you. When the nine fruits of the Spirit are produced in your life and are active in your life, your family will reap the rewards of that. Your family will enjoy you being kinder and more patient and more joyful. Your boss, your employees, your community, the people around you benefit. It is not for your benefit. If you are apathetic about the fruit of the Spirit being produced in your life, then you're apathetic about taking care of the people in your life. If you want to see the people in your life better, then you need to be focused on producing much fruit in your life. Because when you produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life, your family, your friends, the people around you will be better for it. The second thing is this, fruit often carries seed. So one of the benefits of a tree that produces fruit is that what happens is an animal will come along, pick up the fruit, take it off, eat the fruit, they'll consume the fruit, and then they will deposit the seed somewhere else. And that seed is then given an opportunity to grow and develop and plant and produce fruit itself. And so here's the thing. Um, the, the fruit that we produce carries seed that propagates the gospel. When the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us, it carries seed, and that seed is deposited in other places, and it produces more fruit. Now, here's the deal. Many of us have not seen a harvest in our lives. There are many people, and I don't mean this in a condemning way, there are many, many people who have never seen one person come to salvation in Jesus Christ because of them. And part of that is because I think we are so comfortable producing very little fruit that there is no seed to be carried out to plant and develop a harvest. And as a result, we're happy just being nice people, producing very little fruit in our lives and just getting by. But there are real consequences to fruit not being produced in our lives. And part of the consequence is that there is no seed being carried away. There is no propagation of the gospel moving forward. With no seed, there's no reproduction. And the third thing is this. Fruit is required. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you aspire to be a follower of Jesus, fruit is not optional. You don't get to decide like, nah, I'm good. Or even, you know what, I'm good with this one and this one and this one, but not the other six. It is not optional. We don't get a choice. If we are followers of Jesus, fruit is required. Matthew chapter seven 
Jesus is talking. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. He said this, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way, they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify a person by their actions. This is heavy. This is hard. This is not the Mother's Day message you were expecting when you came to church today, was it? You're like, oh, he's gonna talk about like Proverbs 31. Like that's what he's probably gonna talk about. No, I'm hammering all you mothers today. I'm just letting you have it. This is what Jesus says. Fruit's not optional. He said, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. So here's what he's saying. There's this, there's this dual message that he is sharing with us. The, the direct message is this. If you have a fruit tree that doesn't in fact produce fruit, all it's really good for is firewood. It can produce heat by chopping it down and burning it. That's what it's good for. Now, the subtle message, the implication, and we'll see this again, he talks about this. The implication is that if we are non-fruit producing, then our destination is actually hell. That if we call ourselves Christians, but there is no fruit in our lives, God cares so much about fruit that it is the evidence of who we actually are that if we're not producing fruit, we're not actually followers of Jesus Christ. And if we're not producing fruit, our ultimate destination is hell. I told you, this is hard stuff. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what Jesus said. He says, fruit is required. But here's the thing. Everybody, everybody who's listening to this, everyone in this room, everybody in Blairsville, we are all producing fruit. All of us are producing fruit. So it's not enough to produce fruit. We have to produce good fruit. Because there is good fruit and there is bad fruit. And God wants us to produce good fruit in our lives. Let me go back to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter five. I read the fruit of the spirit to you a moment ago. Let me back up a little bit and start in verse 16. Paul says this, he says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Here's what he says. Um, you've got this war going on within you. All of us do. We've got this war going on within us between what we feel, our flesh, what we desire, our natural desires, and the Spirit. The Spirit of God wants us to live a certain way. He's got a desire and a plan and purpose for us. But our flesh does too. And these two forces are at battle within us. They're at war. This is why um, we have intentions that we don't follow up on. I know no one else can, can relate to this, but there have been times I've decided I'm gonna work out that it didn't work out. No one else deals with that, I'm sure, because you're all disciplined. 
You all get up at 5 a.m. and pray for 15 minutes and then read your Bible for 15 minutes and then go work out for an hour. I know you all do. I don't though. And there's times that I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna eat a little better. I'm gonna get a little healthier. And you know why I haven't? Because there's a war within me. Paul describes it this way. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is where you go, okay, I'm gonna get up early in the morning. I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna read my Bible. And the alarm goes off at 5 a.m. And you're like, Jesus, can we talk later? And you're like, snooze, right? Why? He had good intentions. The spirit was willing, let's go. And the flesh is like, mm, pass. Why? Because there's a war going on within us. And this war is much bigger than what we realize it is. Because it's literally life or death. Verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So what he says is, hey, there is fruit of following the spirit in your life, but then there's also fruit of following your flesh. Here's what the fruit of the flesh is. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you are feeling pretty good about the list. They're like, man, those are big things, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. You're like, I'm good. And then we get to hostility. You're like, ooh. <laughs> I was hostile with my husband on the, way to, on the way to church today. Some of you were fighting as you pulled in the parking lot this morning. Like, and you hit the pause button. You part, you're like, rah, 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 pause. And you're like, you walk in with your Bible. You're like, oh, hello. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. How are you? Highly favored. Mm, so glad to see you. And all you did was hit the pause button. You're going to go back and get in the car in just a minute. And you're going to like game on, like pause. Here's the thing. This is evidence that we're living according to the flesh. If you are routinely caught up in these things, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. This is evidence of who you are. Remember what Jesus says. Hey, you, you know who the false prophet is. They look like a sheep, but they're really a wolf. And there's evidence in the way they act. See, the evidence of who they are is resident in what they are producing. And what he says here, what Paul says is, hey, if these are the things that are being produced in your life, the evidence is you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. This is the fruit of our lives. And then he contrasts that and he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires, their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. This isn't easy to do. 
If we recognize today that we are living according to our flesh instead of our spirit, Paul says, here's what we do. We crucify our flesh. In the same way that Jesus was crucified, we crucify our sinful desires and we go, this is dead to me. I'm walking away from it, but through the power of Jesus Christ, he took on my sinful nature on the cross and I am walking away from that now. I'm no longer gonna go back to that. But here's the problem. We will have a moment like this and we'll, yes, I'm gonna crucify my sin on the cross. I'm never going back. And then day after tomorrow, you'll be like, but that sin was kind of fun. It was kind of nice. I'm gonna pull that off the cross. I'm gonna get that one back but it should be dead to us, should be behind us, should be gone. And he says, I love this challenge, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, that we say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're gonna lead me. I invite you to lead me and direct me. Show me how to live, because I don't know how to live. Show me what to love, what to value, all these things. I don't know how you feel when people say they got good news and bad news for you but I've got bad news and good news for you today. Uh, I'm not even gonna ask you which one you want because you might say good and, and I've got bad news on my list first. So you don't get a vote. I'm giving you the bad news whether you like it or not. Bad news, ready? Good fruit is not enough. If you were feeling better about yourself, you're like, okay, I'm doing okay. I'm producing good fruit. Good for you. Here's the bad news. That's not sufficient. I'm glad you're producing some good fruit in your life. God wants more than you producing good fruit. Let me look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse one. It's Jesus talking. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. So he's laying out this metaphor, helping them understand the gospel. He says in verse two, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. He goes on to say in verse five, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. So I just wanna make sure we understand this This illustration, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches off the vine, and God is the gardener. He says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit. You're my disciples, my true disciples is what it says. This brings glory to my father. Much fruit. See, what Jesus is after isn't just a quality of fruit, it's a volume of fruit. And and we've placated ourselves by going, well, I'm doing good. I go to church sometimes and I want to help you with this. Church attendance was not on the list of fruit of the spirit. (laughs) Just because you attend fruit, uh, attend fruit, attend church, does not mean you're producing fruit in your lives. Church attendance is not, you don't get a gold star for that. Like, well, they're not producing any fruit in their lives, but at least they go to church. There are no consolation prizes in this game. When we look at this word much, when it's describing fruit, it's an adjective and it's 
Um, in, in the Greek, it's a word that's used very often in Scripture, for over 400 times in the New Testament. And it's a normal, everyday, average word. It just means many, much, large. It's huge, right? So it's talking about size, but it's talking about volume as well. So think about it this way. Let's say you have a coworker. Maybe you've got a, a student, if you're a student, that every day they bring their lunch. And every day they have a sandwich, and chips, granola bar, and an orange. That's what they have every day. One day you walk into the cafeteria, the break room, and they don't have their normal orange. Instead, they've got 10 dozen oranges piled up on the table. They're just spilling off the table. You can barely see the person behind the pile of oranges. Most of you would probably have a few questions for that person, wouldn't you? You're like, vitamin C deficiency? Like, is this a new diet you're on now? Oh, it's all oranges diet. What is going on, right? You would have some questions for this person. And you wouldn't otherwise because normally they eat an orange. One orange is a reasonable amount of fruit. It's a normal amount. It's an acceptable amount. But when the volume is larger, you start having some questions. And here's what I want you to understand. Most of us are perfectly happy producing the amount of fruit that we are producing. But the amount of fruit we are producing is not sufficient to cause people to question us. See, I should be producing so much fruit in my life that people see the fruit and they go, tell me about this. Okay, what is going on here? What is happening here? Hey, you know what? Uh, you, you just got laid off, but man, you, have, you seem to have so much joy. How, how can you have so much joy in the face of what you're going through? Yeah, you know what? Um, I know you're dealing with this, this health diagnosis, but you just seem to, to just have so much peace. Tell me about that. What is going on? Hey, you know what? Uh, you, you're just always so kind. How, how is that? What is going on? Like, I've never actually had somebody say that to me, but... <laughs> But what they're saying is that, that you've got a remarkable about, remarkable about a fruit going on. What is happening with this volume of fruit? That should be normal for believers. We should be producing so much fruit in our lives that the people around us, the world is astounded by what they see. They should be asking questions about what they're seeing. But we're too comfortable producing a normal amount of fruit in our lives because it's as good as anybody else. So the question becomes, how do we produce much fruit? So I gave you the bad news. The bad news is good fruit is not sufficient. Here's the good news. God cultivates the fruit. So here's the good news. You don't have to do anything. I'm not asking you to, to give, to serve, to show up, to come to church every week. This would be a great opportunity for me to go, hey, if you wanna produce fruit, come to church every Sunday. Now, would that hurt you to come to church every Sunday? No. But is that the key? Not necessarily. Because the key 
is letting God do the work he wants to do in you because he cultivates the fruit. See, the fruitfulness of my life is dependent on cultivation. When you have a a fruit tree, it, it can produce fruit naturally, but if you wanna maximize the fruit, you cultivate the tree so it'll produce as much as possible. And here's what we do as believers. We have to submit ourselves to God. This is our job. It's God's job to produce fruit in us. It's our job to remain in, or as the King James says, abide in Christ. We just, as branches, stay connected to Jesus, the vine, and abide in him. And as we do, God We'll do the cultivation in us. He will bring fruitfulness in us. So we just submit to God. Now here's the thing, when I say submit to God, when I say abide in him, remain in him, it's easy to default to church and go, well, I just keep coming to church. I come to church, I'll remain in God. And here's the thing, um, we can come to church and still not produce fruit. Jesus said about the Pharisees, hey, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So they say the right things, but their hearts are wrong. So we can come in here and we can do all the things and say the right things and worship at the right times and follow the cues and we can look great, but our hearts can still be far from God. That is not an excuse not to come to church. Some of you are like, great, I just got to pass. No, because here's the deal. I've never seen decreased church attendance lead to increased affection for Jesus. I've never seen it. Well, do I have to go to church to go to heaven, preacher? Well, no, you don't have to. (laughs) I don't have to kiss my wife if we're married, but my marriage is a lot better when I do. (laughs) I like my wife a lot more. She doesn't like me as much, but I like my wife a lot more. So yeah, you could go to heaven without going to church, but why would you want to? So it's not just about physically what we do. It's about saying, God, I'm gonna be faithful to you. I'm gonna be consistent in my pursuit of you and in my walk with you. I'm gonna be reliable, God. You can count on me. I'm not gonna be wishy-washy in how I approach you. I'm gonna remain in you. I'm going to abide in you. So here's another list. Three thoughts for those of you who want to be cultivated in your life. The first one is this. Uh, Your environment must be right. Your environment has to be right. Um, So a few years ago, we did a a series called Seeds, and I wanted really badly to give away uh, California Redwood seeds to the people in our church. We gave away seeds, uh, and some of the people in our church planted those seeds. They're growing and become trees. But I wanted to give away California Redwood seeds. I thought it would be awesome. And I started doing the research on it. It was like, well, they don't grow here. But I thought, how cool would that be for us to, you know, Thousands of people plant these trees and it might be an environmental nightmare, but wouldn't it be cool? It'd be awesome to see. Anyway, wouldn't work because they don't grow here because the environment's not right. Think about this. You wanted to plant a garden in uh, Death Valley. Could you do that? Well, it's not advisable. Why? Because the environment is hostile for a garden. Could you plant a garden? maybe you would have to cultivate it like crazy. You'd have to make sure you had all the water ready. You'd have to make sure you stayed on top of it all the time. See, some of you have gardens, but you don't tend to it very much because the environment says, ah, it can kind of grow. It'll produce fruit without your help. But if you have a hostile environment, cultivation is required. 
And some of you, you say, God, I wanna produce fruit in my life, but you live your life in hostile environments. Maybe it's your workplace that's hostile toward Christianity and hostile toward faith. And so you go into those environments and you just feel like you have the life sucked out of you. You're just withering away. Maybe you live in a home where you've got a spouse who's hostile toward faith and toward Jesus and toward the gospel and you you just feel like, oh. And here's what I would say to you, remain in Christ so that the gardener, the vine dresser, God can cultivate you to the maximum level because in hostile environments, cultivation is required. It's necessary. The second thing is this, cultivated, well, this is a legal definition of this, by the way. I found this in a law journal. Cultivated fruit means the intentional planting of trees that are maintained for food production as part of an agricultural operation, but does not include orchards that have ceased being managed or harvested for their intended purpose for a period of 10 years or more. So from a legal perspective, they say there are are cases where you might plant an, an orchard. And the reason you plant an orchard is for a harvest. You wanna get fruit from this orchard. So you plant an orchard, but at some point, someone stops intentionally cultivating this orchard. They stop tending to the orchard and it eventually becomes wild. In the legal sense, it's 10 years. Will it still produce fruit? Yeah, it might, but it's gonna be haphazard. It's gonna be accidental and it'll never produce as much fruit as it would have when it was cultivated, when it was tended to and cared for. But this is what happens to many of us. We come into church environments, we, we experience God maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a really long time and we come alive and we start producing fruit. God's working in our lives, we're seeing good things happening and, and then something happens. Somebody says something we don't like, somebody hurts us, somebody doesn't follow up, we had something happen in our lives, things going on and, and we get hurt, we get disappointed and, and we disconnect. Maybe we disconnect from God, maybe we disconnect from church, but there is a disconnection. And when that happens, um, we are no longer abiding because it's not just about church attendance, it's about our hearts. Our hearts disconnect. And we can still produce fruit, but it's not cultivated anymore. And we're not producing the kind of fruit we would have if we would have stayed in that place where we go, okay, um, I've had some hurts, some disappointments, some heartaches, but I'm gonna stay in this place because I wanna produce fruit. And God, you're the only one who can do that. I can't do this on my own. This is, this is where, uh, as a staff, we believe in Matthew 18 strongly. And if you have a problem, if something happens and you get hurt, which is gonna happen because we're a bunch of people, If I say something that hurts you, I wanna talk about it. I wanna work through it with you. Matthew 18 says, hey, if you can do that, you go to your brother that's hurt you and and if they repent, then you've got your brother back. That's what we should do, but that's not what happens many times. We We just fade into the background and go, well, okay, this is my lot. And we, what happens is we go wild. We're not cultivated, we're not cared for, we're not tended to. And as a result, we don't produce the kind of fruit we should be producing that God intended for us to produce. The third thing is this, transplanted fruit trees may take up to five years to bear fruit again. So let's say you've got a fruit tree in your yard and it's producing fruit, it's been producing fruit. And you're like, you know what? I don't like it in that spot in the yard. I wanna put it in this part of my yard. Well, you can do that. You just dig a hole 
you, you go over, you dig up this tree, and then you transplant it. The problem is it's going to take a while for it to begin producing fruit again. And here's why. Because of what they call transplant shock. And transplant shock comes from the fact that you have to cut the roots in order to move this tree. So think about this. If you got into a car accident, your body might go into shock. And what your body is doing is trying to um, shut down some of the things you don't need to make sure you stay alive. There are systems in your body that your body goes, okay, we're shutting all this off to make sure we divert power to where we really need it. And this is what a tree does as well. A tree says, oh, no, 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 we're experiencing trauma. And because we're experiencing trauma, we're gonna shut down fruit. We're not gonna be producing fruit for a while because we just need to make sure we survive. So those roots get cut, you transplant it, and then the tree's just trying to recuperate, recover. And so sometimes it can be as little as one year, but it can be as many as five. And here's what happens in our lives. Same scenario, we get hurt, we get disappointed. Um, maybe it's not even, maybe it's more perceived than real. Because I've had people come to our church, they'll say things like, yeah, my preacher, I just didn't like his preaching. I was offended, I was hurt, I was... Like, well, did he mean to do that? Well, I don't know. Did you talk to him about it? No. It's like, whew, okay. Well, you're not going to be here long either. So what they've done is they got hurt. And they were part of a church and they got transplanted. They came to a new church thinking this is going to be perfect and no issues. And they've got all their stuff together. We do not, by the way. So they get transplanted and they come here. Maybe somebody gets transplanted from here somewhere else, but their roots have been cut. So they're hurt, they're disappointed and they bring that hurt and their disappointment with them. And as a result, we can't be as fruitful as we want to be. It takes a while to heal up. That's what I tell people all the time. Some of you have had this conversation with you. A lot of times when somebody comes to our church for the first time, I'll ask questions like this. Uh, hey, what brought you to Summit? Oh, we've been looking for a church. Oh, were you attending another church in the area? Well, yeah, we were attending. Oh, I know that pastor. I love that pastor. He's awesome. Do you have a biblical reason for leaving? Well, this happened and this happened. Does your pastor know you're looking for another church? Some of you are thinking, I don't think you actually want people to come to our church. I do, I promise. But I'm less interested in our church growing and I'm more interested in health in the body of Christ. And so there are times I've sent people back to their church. Go back to your church and fix the problem. They don't even know you're offended. Go talk to them about that. Go work through that. I've had phone calls from pastors saying, hey, this person left our church and came to your church and you sent them back to our church. Thank you. Like, that's what we're supposed to do with the body of Christ, right? And if it's about us, then I'm gonna scoop up everybody that comes our way. But if it's about them and their health and the health of the kingdom, then I'm gonna say, hey, don't, no, don't, no, no, don't cut your roots. No, 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 stay fruitful where you are planted rather than being transplanted. Last list, real quick. Two ways God cultivates much fruit in us. Two ways God cultivates much fruit in us. The first is this, turning soil. According to the USDA, um, this is called tillage. You might rent a tiller for your, a rotor tiller for your garden that you're gonna plant. Here's what tillage is. It's turning the soil to control for weeds and pests and to prepare for seeding. You turn the soil, you break up the soil. And there are a lot of benefits to this. 
Um, as far as health, it gives maximum health for the seed that's planted. Uh, it helps limit pests and weeds, all kinds. It's, it's, there's a lot of good reasons to do it. But it's intended to break up the soil that might be hardened. And the reality is, many times we come to God with hardened hearts. And God wants to work in us, but our hearts will not receive what he wants to deposit. And any of us can get hard hearts. Uh, the followers of Jesus, the disciples, in Mark chapter eight, I love this story, they, um, they had experienced the feeding of the 5,000. Five loaves, two fishes, fed 5,000 people. Huge miracle, crazy. So this is literally hours later. Jesus overhears his disciples and they're arguing. And their argument is, we don't have any bread. And he hears them and it's like, hey, can you have some of the bread? Well, I don't have bread, I thought you were gonna bring bread. Well, I didn't bring bread, that's your response, it's your day to bring bread. Well, maybe they brought bread, none of us, and they basically go around and nobody had bread. And they're upset, because they're hungry, and they want some bread, and, and they're bickering, and Jesus, he walks in, like wades into this moment, and he calls them out. And, and he actually uses this language, he says, um, are you so hard-hearted that you fail to understand? And he says, have you forgotten what just happened? The feeding of the 5,000, have you forgotten? And what he's saying is that our hard hearts cause us to forget what God has done. This is where we get hurt and this is why our hearts get hard. Um, our guitar players, if you talk to them and you look at their fingers, if you talk to Todd or Kendall or any of those guys that play guitar, their fingers are gonna be all calloused because uh, of the abuse that happens to their fingertips. So their bodies respond to the pain by callousing the ends of their fingers so that it'll be deadened. And this is a natural response in our body to protect our body. And this is what happens to our heart. Our heart gets hurt and it gets hurt maybe over and over. And finally we go, okay, I'm gonna harden my heart because I'm never gonna be hurt like that again. But a hardened heart will cause us to forget what Christ has done for us. So somebody hurts us and we go, well, I'm never gonna forgive them. But our hard heart has caused us to forget. Man, Christ forgave us of a lot. If Christ forgave me, surely I can forgive them. But we don't remember that because our hard heart. And so what's required is for us to stay connected to Jesus so that the, the gardener can come in and go, hey, I'm gonna turn the soil. Hey, this hard ground in your heart, I'm gonna turn it up. I'm gonna turn it over so that the seed I have for that can be planted. It's dangerous because if we refuse to let God work in our hard hearts, the ultimate end for us is hell. Romans chapter two, Paul's talking to the Romans and he just says, he's talking to, to people who call themselves Christians but they're not living like it. And he says, because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And the actual language that's used in the King James, he says, because of your hard hearts. Because your hearts are hard toward God, you're not willing to repent, you're not willing to see. This is where our hard hearts can lead us. There's a story in Matthew 13 where Jesus tells a parable about this 
farmer who goes out to plant seed and he scatters the seed on the ground. Some falls on a footpath, some falls on shallow soil, some falls on fertile soil, some falls among the, the thorns and he describes what happens. And he said the, the seed that falls in the shallow soil, it sprouts up quickly because it's found soil, but the sh- soil's too shallow so it withers in the sun and it, it dies. The, the seed that's spread among the thorns, it sprouts, it finds purchase, but the thorns, which he calls the cares of life, just the stuff in our life, chokes out what God is trying to produce. And this is what happens in our lives. It's a whole nother sermon. And he talks about the footpath. And the footpath, I don't know if you've ever noticed in public places where people walk through the grass, after a time, the grass disappears because of the traffic. And what's left is the dirt. And that dirt, as it's walked on, gets harder and harder and harder and harder because it's compressed. And this is what he's describing. He says, some of the seed falls on this footpath and there is no place for it to go. So a bird comes and gets it. And this is the condition of many of our hearts. We've been hardened because of hurt, because of disappointment, because of loss, whatever it is. And God wants to speak to us and do something in us, but our hearts are so hard, we can't receive the seed. And what we need is for God to go, hey, I'm gonna break your heart. I'm gonna break up the soil. I'm gonna till this up so that you can receive what I've got for you to receive. Because what we see is the seed that fell on fertile soil produced a crop, and the crop that it produced, according to Jesus, was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as it had been planted. See, the seed that finds fertile soil, a, a tilled up heart, will produce much fruit. So, God turns soil in us. The second thing that God does to cultivate much fruit in us is this, it's, it's pruning. In John chapter 15, verse two, he says, talking about the, the gardener, he, God, cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more fruit. You feel good that you're fruitful. Awesome. God wants you to be more fruitful. And that means you're gonna get pruned. And pruning stinks. It's not fun. Pruning involves loss because there are things that are being removed. Let me go back to our friends at the USDA again and give you the definition for pruning. Pruning entails Targeted removal of disease, damage, dead, non-productive, structurally unsound, or otherwise unwanted tissue from crops and plants. Reasons to prune plants include deadwood removal, shaping by controlling or directing growth, improving or maintaining health, and both harvesting and increasing the yield or quality of fruits. So here's what this means. There might be some areas of our heart and life that, that are producing death and God goes, I wanna cut this off because this is diseased. We get that. But then there are parts of us that are healthy, but we're just growing in the wrong direction. And God goes, no, 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 I need to, I need to redirect your growth. So I'm gonna prune some, some things off your life that maybe aren't diseased, but are just not good for you. They're not sinful things that are gonna send you to hell, but they're just things that are not helping you be fruitful. So I'm gonna prune some of this off to make you more fruitful. I wanna maximize your fruitfulness. So I'm gonna prune and take away some things that might be healthy. I'm gonna cut into some healthy tissue to make sure you're as fruitful as possible. So practically speaking, what that means for us is there might be some things God confronts you about. The Holy Spirit goes, hey, why don't you lay that down? You go, well, I'm not laying that down. That's not even bad. 
I'm not going to hell if I do that. God doesn't care. He's pruning. <laughs> do you want to be fruitful or not? That's the question. You don't make yourself fruitful, but you can keep yourself from being fruitful. All we have to do is submit ourselves to God and say, God, I'm not going to resist the pruning as painful as it is. I'm going to trust you and trust that you know what you're doing and trust that you're going to grow me the direction you want me to grow in. And you're going to remove what you need to remove so that I can produce as much fruit as possible so your kingdom can advance, so my family can be healthier, so my world will be better because of what you're producing in and through me. God, I trust you. God, I choose to abide in Jesus Christ. I choose to remain in him. I'm going to stay connected to the vine so that you can produce fruit in me. But it's painful. It requires loss. But do we trust God? So our job is to submit ourselves to God, to remain in him, abide in him, and trust that he is good, that the things he wants to remove from our lives are beneficial that the things that he's asking me to lay down are worth laying down because of what it will produce in the future. And I'm telling you, there have been some things in my life that have been pruned, that have been painful, but it's worth it for what it produces. We need to stay in a posture where we continue to ask God, God, if there's anything in me that's unpleasing to you, show me, take it away, cut it out. God, if my heart is hard, till it up soften my heart, if there are things I need to forgive, if I've got bitterness that's caused me to be hard-hearted, if I've got unforgiveness in my heart, God, show me, till up my heart so that I can receive the seed that's gonna produce fruit in my life. Hey, right now I'm turning over to Blairsville. They're gonna give you an opportunity to respond. I love you guys in Blairsville. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day. Happy Mother's Day. So for those of you here in this room, those of you watching online, we've just got some decisions to make today. And the first decision is, <laughs> am I really walking with Jesus? What is the fruit that's currently being produced in my life? Is it the fruit of the spirit or is it the fruit of the flesh? And if these are the things that are being produced in my life, this fruit of the flesh, then that is evidence that I'm not walking with Jesus. And so if you're here today and that's you, I just want you to know there's no condemnation. I got really good news for you today. Jesus is crazy about you. He wants to receive you right now. You don't have to fix your life in order to be acceptable to him. He wants to receive you exactly like you are. And he will do the work of pruning and cleaning and making you fruitful if you'll simply trust him and submit to him. Maybe you're here today and you recognize, okay, I'm going to heaven, but I don't know how fruitful I actually am. And I wanna be more fruitful. I want... I want our, our heavenly father, I want our, our gardener to prune me, to till up the soil of my heart and to prepare me for fruitfulness. Well, I'm gonna give you a chance. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes, all this place. <sighs> Lord, thank you. <laughs> God, I'm continually amazed that you love us. We are so broken and so flawed and so messed up, but you love us anyway. Thank you that you don't need us. You don't need us to, to share the gospel, but 
you invite us to share the gospel. You don't need us to bear fruit, but you invite us to bear fruit. So God, I pray today we would see what an awesome privilege it is for you to invite us into your purposes and plans. And I pray we would not be resistant to it, God. I pray we would not hold back. I pray today, each of us, whether we are currently following you or not, we our hearts would be submitted to you, that we would trust you and see how good and kind and beautiful and lovely you are. And I pray that that's what would draw us to you. So God, minister in this place. Soften our hearts. Do what you want to do. Now, nobody's looking around. If you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, I know I'm not walking with God. I'm producing the wrong fruit in my life. I want to produce good fruit. And the only way I'm going to do that is by being connected to Christ. So today I want to connect with him. I want to know him. I want to be in relationship with him. I'd love to pray for you. And if you want to be included in that prayer to receive Jesus, to accept him as Lord of your life, would you put your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. Thank you. I see you on my right, man. Yeah, thank you in the center section. Awesome. Yeah, thank you on my left. Who else would join these and say, Mel, include me in that prayer. Pray for me. Yeah, thank you on my right. I see you. A couple hands, two, three hands. Praise the Lord. Yeah, thank you. I see you. Awesome. Just real quickly, anybody else? Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we're gonna say a prayer out loud together. And I'm gonna give you the words to say, but this is, these, this is your prayer. So I want you to pray this from your heart to God today. We're gonna pray it together. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your one and only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From now on, my life is submitted to you. Use me for your glory. Make me fruitful and forgive me of everything I've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause today? Listen, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture says you're a new creation that the old is gone and the new has come. So we'd love to help you take the next step in your faith journey. If you prayed that prayer with us today for the first time, or maybe it was a prayer of rededication, take a minute and either fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you. Let us know about the decision you made today by simply taking that over to our uh, next step table out in the lobby. It's by the main doors. If you'll stop by there, somebody from our team's gonna be there to receive you, talk with you, answer questions, and just help you with your next step. If you'd prefer, if you're watching online, you can simply text Summit PA to the number 94,000 and select the prompt that says salvation. Let us know about that. And then if you're here in the room, feel free to stop by the next step table as well. We'd love to help you on your faith journey. Here's what's gonna happen right now. These lovely <laughs> non-mothers are going to uh, lead us in a final song. And as they are leading us, I wanna encourage you, uh, our prayer team's gonna come down here and be in the front of this room. And if you need prayer for anything at all today, no matter what it may be, come find one of them. Let us pray with you before you go. If you're here today and you need a miracle, um, you need a miracle in a relationship, in your finances, in your health, um, maybe you're here today and you recognize that you're producing the wrong kind of fruit and you want somebody to pray for you, whatever it is, find one of our team. Let us pray for you before you go. Why don't you stand your feet? We'll sing together one more time before we go today, guys. I love you more than I can possibly tell you. And I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day and happy Mother's Day.
If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.